are listening to the Satellite Sisters recap of Madam Secretary. Welcome. If you're new to Satellite Sisters, you can find out a lot more about us at SatelliteSisters.com. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California, and I do this talk show with my four real-life sisters. In a minute, I'll be joined by my sister Julie in Dallas, Texas, to go over the second episode of the second season, The Doability Doctrine. We love Madam Secretary, but we love talking about women's lives in all forms, whether it's real life or on TV. For more information about Satellite Sisters, to listen to our podcast, or just to get to know us, please visit SatelliteSisters.com satellitesisters.com. Thanks for listening today. We appreciate it. Up next, our recap of Madam Secretary, Episode 2. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. This is our weekly recap of Madam Secretary on CBS. Uh, this episode was, Julie, the doability doctrine. This is the second episode of the second season. Uh, we have just started recapping Madam Secretary, but we did watch the whole first season. And uh, Julie, this episode, in this episode, I just kept thinking, my gosh, she must be exhausted. She <laughs> packed so much into a single day. I mean, it was That's non- exactly what I was saying. What a day Elizabeth is having. Could you even have this day, Leon? I don't know. I, yes, I don't know how she did it. Yeah. So on the political front in this particular episode, okay, we had dual storylines going and the, we had uh, a department of state employee was kidnapped in Kabul. Okay. And then we had the mystery of where is the Russian president Ostrov, right? That was their fake Russian president name. Mm -hmm. And then on the home front, we had the question of where is Stevie all day? So Uh the uh, misguided 21 year old having a lot of issues disappears for a single day and that throws the secretary of state into uh just a complete tumult even though she's also say you know saving the world and then um we had to deal with just how many of those floppy blouses does Beth mccord own i mean she had another one on a bright blue one for the whole show she was wearing that the whole show wasn't she well she had a very it was only one day she had a very busy day it's very busy so we're gonna break it down scene by scene um if you don't know one of the reasons it's a great show for us to do first of all we enjoy it we like the stars uh we like the fact that the executive producers are women and stars a woman um in our past as the satellite sisters we actually interviewed madeline albright uh many years ago and that was really one of the highlights of my professional career. It was such a pleasure to interview her when she came out with her book, which was called Madam Secretary. So you're going to hear a little bit about that throughout the whole recap. Julie, you've lived in foreign countries, so you're essentially our Secretary of State, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, I'm certainly the family Kremlinologist. And so this week, because it focused on Russia, where I lived for five years, uh, I have a lot of insight for you, Liam. Yes. And I just watch a tremendous amount of TV. So uh, those are our (laughs) Which makes you very qualified. Very qualified. Very qualified. All right. So this one is called the Doability Doctrine which apparently is one of Madeleine Albright's signature doctrines. And we're going to get to that because Madam Secretary, uh, Mrs. Albright, Madam Secretary Albright was in this episode of Madam Secretary. All right, so we open the first scene, Julie. Uh, we see the kidnapping of a DOS, Department of State, employee uh, in Kabul, which I, I believe was actually like a tar pit in Palmdale, California. But I love when <laughs> I love I love when TV shows like, 
go to foreign locales. And you know they're not foreign locales. I, I just know, love that. But they have, they have to do it. I mean, but it's a bad way to start the day. Okay. Just that, you know, he gets uh, kidnapped right off the bat. So, right. um, whew, so, but they're in the kitchen, right? They start the, uh, start the day. It starts in the morning in the kitchen. In the kitchen. So, uh, yeah, where, you know, we, we, we asked the question last week on the Facebook page. Someone asked the question, why don't they have any help? Like, how do they get everything done without any household help? And this week, that's all I could think of because who's cleaning those breakfast dishes? I know, who, me too. Who they made just that dinner? them on the counter, on the sink. <laughs> but yet the floors look polished, Leon. So I believe it is secret state department people that come in after the family has left to uh, to do the tidying up. Yes, I believe we're going to get to the bottom of that, Leon. But I believe that there uh, there is some some SEAL team that comes in. Yeah, and then uh, so we learn at the breakfast table also that the Russian president Ostrov is missing, and uh, the young son asks his mother, the Secretary of State, you know, how can dictators do that? And she responds, "Dictators can do whatever the hell they want." So. <laughs> Yes, very important. And I love, yes, and I love that the speculation about the Russian president being missing is the same speculation they have about Vladimir Putin when he leaves town. Is he getting more plastic surgery? Is he spending time with the gymnast girlfriend? What is going on? Excellent. So, but then we get to the real heart of this scene. We get to the where is Stevie storyline. Last week we saw Stevie, their 21-year-old daughter who had dropped out of college and now is going back. She was dating like a much older man who was her boss at an NGO. Now she's involved with the president's son who's been in and out of rehab. And last week she was holding heroin for him, which seemed like a bad idea. And no one apparently confiscated it. But we learn in this breakfast scene that perfect dad, Henry, did in fact, not only did he confiscate that heroin, he tested it. And it must be terrible having spies as parents. I mean, they have access to a lot of information, don't they? I know that it was impressive, impressive as a parental technique to have the whole file there with, uh, with, 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 with the drug testing. Yeah. And Stevie's gone blonde in the, this morning too, which is uh, which is a change from the previous one. She's lightened up her hair, so who knows what that could uh, mean? Well, as we know, uh, Secretary McCord said they did some follicle testing on Stevie, so she didn't have any heroin in her system, but she does need some calcium. Yes. So you know, they came down pretty hard on Stevie. They let her know who's who and what's what. But the truth is, she is twenty-one. So, and that becomes a storyline later on in the show. Like, there's only so much you can actually do with a twenty-one-year-old. They are legal adults, but she's still living at home, even though she's back at school. I don't really understand that, but well, I should because I have a college twenty-year-old <laughs> living at home with me, so I do understand that. So, never mind. So, okay, Secretary McCord gets to work. We find out that she has a merchant marine event where she and the Russian, it's supposed to be the Russian ambassador, but it turns out the foreign minister shows up. They're commemorating uh, American and Russian um, friendship and working together in World War II. Right, Julie? That was the deal? But this is really key. Uh, The Russians feel that they have won uh, World War II. In fact, they don't even call it World War II. They call it the Great Patriotic War. And when you go to Moscow, you can visit the museum, the Great Patriotic War Museum, where they show you how they won World War II. Very little mention of the Americans. Uh, so uh, I was uh, looking forward to this uh, this scene because I thought the Russians were going to make a big deal once again about them winning the war and that the Americans weren't involved. Hmm. So we learned that Sat- um, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright will be there. 
There is the first pin reference in this. I know. I know. Which was nice to hear. If you remember, one of uh, Madeline Albright's signature looks was these giant pins she would wear on her on her suits. And she told us, and that you know, she was once you start wearing pins, then you're just given pins. So she had this huge collection of pins in her office, and she would just throw them on. And she did try to pick the pins very carefully. They were, uh, you know, they were well conceived. Which pin she was wearing to which event. So. <clears throat> We learned that Bess has received a pin from Madeline Albright, and Bess wants to wear her pin on that event. So I'm thinking, where is the pin? Where her, where's her pin collection? <laughs> we don't know, but we do know that uh, there's a minor storyline of one of the State Department employees, Jay. Okay, he's like the policy guy who apparently the, beard, the guy with the beard. That's yeah, what, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, he apparently spent the hiatus in Brooklyn because now he has a full beard. I don't. That doesn't look real. Like, I don't believe you'd be allowed to work the State Department looking like that. Do you? What? I well, mean, I think it's, it's giving him some gravitas. Like, that's, a, that's the idea. You know, that he's the real policy wonk, the thinker. He's coming up with the big plans. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's a kind of a minor storyline. And then we switch over to Henry. He's teaching at the National War College. Mm-hmm. He's trying to recruit this Russian uh, to turn against his country and... Um, and uh, what we learn is that the Russian sister is very sick and that this could be a point of, uh, of vulnerability for him. And so the NSA tells Henry that if he, you know, if he decides he can use this as a tactic to turn the Russian. You know, that's really a key point, because I think one of the things that you appreciate is that the Russians have, you know, have tremendous patriotism. But there's, there's something that they hold more dear is their family, you know, and that they would that trumps any nation, nationalism that they might have. So the fact that, you know, that he's going to the sort of the soul of the Russian soul there, uh, the core of the Russian soul that, to, you know, that to turn this guy into a spy for the U.S., it has to be involved with the family. Hmm. Okay, Julie, very deep analysis. Okay. And I hate to dwell on the hair in this show, but um, I am still confused by uh, the hair of NSA NSA handler Claire from Law & Order. What yes. is that hair she's doing? Like my my notes say, ombre look uh, looks bad in a ponytail. Just, That's what I wrote down watching the event. Just, yes, I think she's supposed it's supposed to be providing her with some kind of street credibility <laughs> that she's too busy to do anything with her hair. She should take the time to do something with her hair. Yeah, bun it. I mean, put it in a bun, Claire, for God's sakes, or something. I don't know. Whereas I thought Elizabeth had an excellent hair. Uh, show. Madam Secretary's hair looked fresh and bouncy throughout her incredibly busy day, wouldn't you say? Yes. All right. So we're back at the White House. Things are getting real now. They're wondering about the State Department employee. He's been kidnapped. Uh, They think that he's been kidnapped by someone who stole the IDs of American, uh, you know, sympathizers working in Kabul with the American army. But it turns out that, no, these were actual Afghanis employed by the Americans. They've kidnapped him. And they're kind of holding him ransom because they were promised that their families and themselves would be allowed to go to the United States in safety if they help them. And That has all fallen through. So they want the U.S. government to follow through on their promises to bring them and their families to safety in the United States. And we understand that the State Department employee is what I have here, quote, a low-value American. And you know, that's what I am, a low-value American. (laughs) If you're kidnapped, it's all over. It's all over. Nobody's coming in for you, Liam. All right. So this sets up the tension between 
Madam Secretary and the new NSA advisor that the the president has hired. And this guy, Julie, I he looks like a if Freddie Prince Jr. and Andy Garcia had a baby. <laughs> like <laughs> Like, it isn't his face super familiar, but it is not quite any of those people. Right. I, that's I kept looking at him. I but, know. But, he's, but his character is instantly hateable. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a real tension between our Elizabeth and this new NSA uh, director, you know, that he is just uh, keeping her out of all the conversations with the president. She's been, she, as, uh, she's been given the Heisman, as uh, Madeleine Albright <laughs> says, right? Yeah. He's just pushing her out. He's pushing her out. There's definitely tension. You know, more mysteries surrounding the Russian president. All we know is at this ceremony now, the foreign minister shows up. This is someone with whom Elizabeth has a history. He seems to know everybody in the family. He knows Henry. He knows the kids. We're at the big ceremony. And this is a great scene with Madeleine Albright, I have to say. I mean, she's no actress. There's no Emmy forthcoming for <laughs> Secretary Albright. <laughs> But, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful with wonderful advice, right? Yeah. She's totally rocking that blue pantsuit. They both have like matching American Eagle pins on, yeah. which mm-hmm. I like it. And uh, here's what Secretary Albright tells Bess. Bess wants a private conversation with her afterwards so they can exchange this kind of information. Bess is concerned. She is being pushed out, getting the Heisman. What's she going to do? And Secretary Albright said, you know what? There's plenty of room for mediocre men in the world, but there's no room for mediocre women. That's right. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, really, that's a great piece of writing. That's it good advice. It was a great piece of writing. Yes, that is, that is def. yeah, that was outstanding. <laughs> Albright Doctrine, right there. Right, there you go. And then we do learn about her doability doctrine. And, yeah. uh, and that is basically, if I can sum it up based on a speech she gave at the University of Chicago, I actually did a little research, uh, <laughs> weighing the most effective options for a specific crisis from sending in troops or imposing a no-fly zone to offering non-lethal assistance or giving humanitarian aid. There's a concept where you should maybe weigh the most effective option as opposed to the easiest or the most immediate or the most terrifying, the doability doctrine. So we get that. And then at the end, Julie, what did you think about that line at the end when Madeline's saying goodbye to Bess and says, oh, hey, let me call Condi and we'll grab lunch. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I mean, but they are cutting that. Hillary right out of the lunch, man. What's happening there? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, no, so they so cut I, her out. Yeah. They cut her out. Hmm. Apparently, hmm. I just... I want to know what that was all about. Okay. And it also reminded me, I remember when Madeleine Albright was on our show, we asked about um, sort of the girls club in Washington. Like, is there, you know, is there a consensus? Is it a nonpartisan effort that women in Washington stick together? And she said to a certain degree, but if I really have huge political differences with someone, no, like the, the, back, the fact that they're a woman does not trump the fact that I... I, I don't agree with them politically. <laughs> so there you go. There's the doability doctrine on another fashion. So we have our Madeleine Albright sighting. It's great. You know, that floppy tie blouse at this point now, it's getting a starring role. I mean, she's got the, she's got the jacket off, Julie. She's I doing know. it with that blouse. I know. But it's sort of droopy because she's really in the middle of it. She's got quite, she's got quite a situation you know, uh, the, you know, she's got the situation in Afghanistan. She's got her daughter that she's worried about. Okay. I mean, they talked about heroin before eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, that was quite a bit, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, she just doesn't know which way to go. So she's taking the jacket off. Right. Yeah. She's trying to understand now these people that have kidnapped the state department guy, what is their motive? Are they decent people? Is this actually a true story? So she looks up 
their former CO, an American uh, colonel, lieutenant colonel, who conveniently lives in Washington, D.C. And how cute was he, Julie? I mean, he, how... has, been in, so he has been in some romantic uh, comedy movie land because wow. he so familiar. I could not figure out who that was. I mean, let's let's make more room for him in future roles. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I think that would be a good idea, Lynn. <laughs> Hello, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Wilkerson is what I yes. wrote in my notes. And, and his cute little Afghani dog. Yes. Yeah. Very, very cute. So, uh, so it's all coming down now, Julie. There's a million storylines happening in the Situation Room. They're trying to get the low-level American asset out. Bess has wrangled a deal and gotten the president to agree to try to, you know, get the Afghans who have helped the Americans out as well and get their families. And they're all racing to the airbase and the Taliban's on them now. And there's a scuffle and, you know, the president kind of puts aside Bess's point of view and stands with the other guy. And, uh, and the Afghanis go down. They go down. They do not get rescued. I know. I mean, it was all going, they were going to be rescued. It was all going well. And then the Taliban shows up. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Have you had days like that, Lane? I know. Where you think you finally got things back on, you know, the plates are all spinning. And then the Taliban shows up. I mean, it was going well. So, and every time yeah. we see a scene like that in the Situation Room where there are like all the chiefs, you know, the Joint Chiefs and things like that. Do you think that's really how it happens, that there's, like, 25 people watching? I mean, that's such a Hollywood trope in every movie. Like, you know, everyone's watching and hundreds of people sitting around in that situation room. It just seemed like, uh, you know, could, don't those people have work to do and then well, they could get a call? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Well, I mean, it seems like a pretty important thing. And, you know, Lee, and we did see the Situation Room pictures, you know, when they were taking down Osama bin Laden. Oh. There were a lot of people in the room. You're right, Julie. I think it's pretty authentic. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're right. You're right. Although he was not a low-level American. I mean, he was just no, Osama no. bin Laden. No. I don't know. Okay. So it looks like her world's longest day is over. They go home. There's a family dinner scene where uh, a, a talking stick is involved. It's almost not even worth explaining, is it? The mediation stick. I mean, that was a little everyone, hokey. Well, I think all families are trying to use any kind of techniques to deal with difficult situations. And everybody was supposed to make I statements, you know, and not accuse each other. But uh, there was there was some fighting going on. Right. Right. So they, you know, they're trying to reach a detente. They want to know where was Stevie all day? Where was Stevie? Like, you know, because the father has plenty of time in the middle of the day to recruit spies, to sign up Dimitri. <laughs> he's got him. He's held the sick sister over him. All that's happening. And stop by her, you know, classroom at Georgetown to have lunch. No one does that. Who does that? No one does that. <laughs> Your dad doesn't stop by to have lunch with you at college. But anyway, where's Stevie? Where's Stevie? And it turns out, Julie, where was she? She was taking the LSAT, Leanne. Didn't even make sense to me. Okay, Don't so give you're... in, Stevie. Don't she's give in. She's having the worst day of her life. Okay. She's having an identity crisis. And the way to solve that identity crisis is to go take a standardized test. Right. Now, she said she's good at standardized tests. So that's why she did it. <laughs> It seemed like know. a left turn, didn't it? I don't... It just, <laughs> but they were very, her parents were, Stevie's parents were very happy that she was going to be a lawyer. You know, it was like all is well now because she took the LSAT. Yeah. And who, I just wanted to know who made that dinner. Like, where did that come from? That, that was like a, look, 
delicious. I know. That was not takeout pasta. Someone made that pasta. We don't know who. Seal Team 6, we think, cooking uh, cooking for MSEC while she's at work, you know, saving people. And then all of a sudden, the Russian foreign minister shows up. And yes. he confirms that the Russian president is dead. You know, mm-hmm. tells them they're the first people in America to know Henry and Bess, because Henry yep. knows everything, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, this, the Russian foreign minister wants them to promise to keep an eye on his daughter, who, Olga, <laughs> Olga, oh, yeah. who goes to Harvard Business School, yeah. of course. Yeah. But Leon, this is really where art imitates life, because it is known that when Vladimir Putin was in Ger- East Germany and he was working for the KGB early in his career and a member of Stasi, and this is when the whole, the wall came down and the Soviet Union collapsed, he reached out to a German to protect his kids during the, in a, in a similar fashion. Really? Yes. Good work. Good work, Kremlinologist. Okay. So so this was a very meaningful scene there at the end with the foreign minister saying, you know, take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. And Bess, of course, is in one of her many bathrobes. She has more yes, bathrobes than our mother. Uh, she, I, thought, I thought people had stopped buying bathrobes, but not the Secretary of State. And then uh, our final, you know, in our final scene, we see Henry reeling in the Russian student. Now he's got him. The president's dead. Russia, as he, know, as he is known, is over. So even though he's a great patriot, Julie, he does succumb. He wants his sister to be treated and get this special drug trial. So he agrees to work with Henry. So I think that'll be a good storyline. Yes, yes. Well, it was so it was an amazing day, Lynn. I mean, amazing. <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, it was that, you know, when my husband comes home every day and says, hey, what'd you do today? I, I'm sometimes I got to dig deep, you know, to, <laughs> you have to tell him about the yeah. socks. Yeah. Socks I, and mean, the sandals. I got to dig deep for stuff, but not her. Every day is crazy. Every day is crazy for Madam Secretary, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a great it's a great show. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, so, um, whew. I know. All right, we are the Satellite Sisters. If you have comments, you can always find us on Facebook. We have both an official page and a group page where there's a lot of chit chat back and forth. We love hearing from you. Uh, just a reminder, our book "You're the Best: uh, a Celebration of Friendship" comes out at the end of the month. You can find more information about that at SatelliteSisters.com. Uh, Julie, have a fantastic week. I mean, I feel like we just did a full day's work. Didn't we? <laughs> I do too, Leanne. I do I mean, too. We squeezed it out, man. We talked about a lot of things for Tuesday. There's a lot of information in this last show. So you take it easy, Julie. You too, Leanne. And don't forget. Whatever your name is. (laughs) And don't forget, call your satellite sister.